Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. The reason I'm talking like this is because my child is sleeping next door. But anyway, let's crack on. So coming up, Dundee killed Killy, Davidson's double delight and Kelty Hearts are heading for the SPFL. I'm Andrew Slavin and alongside me for the final time this season, Motherwell senior producer Laura Brannan. Say hello, Laura. Hello. Excellent work. And Tifo tactician JJ Bull, who's also... Do you need to be quiet? Hell no, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> What's Excellent. up? I know. 1-0 JJ. 1-0 JJ. Look, uh, we start with um, a few managers at Scottish football clubs that have clearly heard that we're recording our last podcast of the season, which is Monday night. Tons of announcements that everyone's everyone's off. Everyone's leaving. What's going on? Should we start with Yogi, Mickey, Barry? He's all sound like Disney characters apart from Barry. But uh, where do we start? I mean, mental, right? I and mean, let's not to mention um, the likes of Jim Duffy leaving Dumbarton, um, that other guy at Queen's Park. I <laughs> don't want to pick up on that. I've heard that Barry Robson and Paul Sheeran might be leaving Aberdeen for new jobs. Don't know where, but I've heard that. Uh, yeah. You don't know where you've heard it? I know where I've heard it, but you're not oh, supposed right. to reveal your sources. <laughs> I mean, this is just going to get the, the rumours into overdrive, isn't it? Fans of these clubs are now going to be looking at every other manager that has now left their job, saying, oh, is he coming to us? Is this just going to be a complete reshuffle? Because it's just, it's, it's, it's entered silly season already. And it, it happened with a bang today. It just seemed to all happen within an hour of each other. And now we're into all the speculation. And then you've got the, the managers that are already out of, not out of contract, but you know what I mean, not, not in a job right now, like Derek mm-hmm. McKenna, Stephen Robinson, Alex Neal. Yeah. And that adds to the rumours even more because not only now are there big managers like John Hughes and, and Barry Ferguson's now, like, obviously, class is a very successful manager after what's just happened. So there's a lot of names going around, and clubs are now going to be getting a wee bit, well, fans are going to be getting a wee bit more excited now. Yeah, good point. I forgot about Barry Ferguson. Um, another uh, celebration slide to uh, rival Callum Davidson. But yeah, just absolutely crazy day in uh, Scottish football for managers leaving. In terms of incomings, news for Aberdeen fans. JJ, maybe you can tell us a bit about Jet. J. Emmanuel Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Will he be more like Top Gun or Airplane, the movie? Oh, I see. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks uh, very much. He'll be like a super action movie where he comes in and, I don't know, destroys all the defences in his way on his path to re-winning the heart and soul of his loved wife, who's... Have I set you... Have I kind of knocked you off the wrong the path? Gulag. a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So anyway, uh, Aberdeen has signed J. Emmanuel Thomas... And he came up and took some pictures. And Aberdeen looks very happy. And uh, Bruce Anderson's going the other way. Probably a good move. Or, or for, to Livingston. Bruce. Yeah, he's going to Livingston, as you say. Also signed Declan Gallagher, as we talked about before. Scott Brown, no, no, about this stuff. We've been going around about this for a little while. Uh, and then lots of noise about um, Lewis Ferguson might be leaving because Watford want to buy him and they have offered like, like a couple of bags of footballs and a high five for him. The equivalent of what they've what they've earned by getting promoted to the Premier League in England. I think it was one point five million. I've read one point five or two million. They've offered Lewis Ferguson. They've also been rumoured to have offered four million for Josh Doig. And I don't know how those two valuations <laughs> <laughs> go. Go. So yeah, obviously, Aberdeen told them to uh, get lost, come back with more money. He'll put about but, four or five million or something. But hasn't Ferguson handed in a transfer request? Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. 
All it means, I think, is all that means is that you don't get your loyalty bonus and your contract, which everyone gets. Well, yeah. there's no, there's no transfer list. This is not a I, thing that exists in real life. I have always enjoyed that even the phrase transfer request. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds so like kind of cordial, and it's That's like not going really. To your, like, you go to your actual go. boss at work. Yeah, you go to your boss at work and say, "I'd really like a new job at this uh, this cool new place that's opened." <laughs> And then they're gonna go. Uh, okay, you get a month's notice. They offered you a job. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you put Can your CV in? Yes. Have you had an interview yet? That then why are you What's talking about this? What's the grace period? Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Scotland squad then as well. There's so much happening this summer. It's so exciting. Laura, are you happy with the, the the squad list that's came out? Gilmore, I'm happy about Turnbull too. But you you mentioned the hype train on Ryan Gold. The hype train is still. In its station. It's not mobile. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think there were any real surprises with the Scotland squad. Um, I, as much as Ryan Gold's been talked up so much um, by a lot of fans recently, I didn't think he was going to make it. My prediction was right not to gloat or anything. Um, no, I'm really pleased with Gilmore and Turnbull, though. I think they're very good additions. Patterson as well. I was slightly surprised at Patterson because of just how few games he's played. But he, I mean... The, the boys with talent so he must have impressed that much and I think also the fact that there's there's less competition for his position as well has went in his favour um, slightly disappointed that Lee Griffiths hasn't made it more so just for the, the impact kind of super sub element of it there was no way he was going to play all three games or start any of the games but to, to know you've got a player like Griffiths on the bench if you're maybe like 1-0 down with 10 minutes to go it's just you know exactly what to get from him he's, he's just such a natural goal scorer um, that it's disappointing. I don't think the strikers we've got in the squad quite have the same impact that he could have. But apart from that, really no, no real surprises. Also, no Andy Considine, so no Baccarat. Come on now. <laughs> to get a new song. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's, he's left that legendary mark on the team. He doesn't have to be there for it. It's like having a statue outside. It's just, you're, you'll always be there in your presence. That's true. Okay, I'm happy now. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, so St Johnston they've won another cup we're going to be picking up on that as well as our premiership team of the season but first as I've mentioned already recording this right after the relegation promotion playoff so let's start with that this is the Totally Scottish Football Show sponsored by Paddy Power straight into the mix again he does just that and Dundee have a second and it's Lee Ashcroft who scores against his former club wow they're in a rush here in a rush to reach the Premiership. Dundee become just the third Championship team to win the relegation promotion playoff. They cruised past Kilmarnock 4-2 in aggregate. They won the first leg 2-1 and they won the second leg 2-1. It was comfortable. Two goals in the first 12 minutes. It seemed to... I mean, if Kilmarnock were going to get anything out of this game, they needed to start the better team. They didn't. It seemed to just knock the stuffing out of Kilmarnock because afterwards they didn't show any fight at all, JJ, from what I saw. This is absolute garbage. Some of the worst football. They had no ideas other than pumping from, it up. From Kilmarnock, some yes. of the worst football, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Dundee started... So I quite like what James McPake was saying before the game, very confident, saying how they're not going to just sit back and defend all game. But I think it's the right uh, way to play. You're basically defending by attacking, trying to take the game higher up the pitch keep it away from your own box. That's what to do. And the thing is, they only have about two shots all game or something, three shots. I haven't got their stats in front of me, but they got those couple of breakaways. I mean, the goal they scored was a punt, a wild punt up the pitch, and they just managed to get down. From a terrible throw-in, though. Yeah. The throw-in just went straight to Charlie Adam. There wasn't a Kilmarnock player in sight. Uh, Ross Millen, I think it was. I really struggled in this game because there was a Millen, a Mullen, and a McMullen. <laughs> So I was like, uh, I even tweeted it and tweeted it wrong. <laughs> but yeah, Ross Ross Millen, uh, awful throw-in, and uh, Charlie Adam just pumps it up the field. And Kilmarnock just, there's like, it just felt like there was no belief, Laura, in this team. Yeah, I mean, to, to not take anything away from Dundee because they were outstanding, it, Kelly, I mean, their defence was such a letdown for them. They looked... They look like wet paper. <laughs> They've the when you look at the back lineup, they don't have good enough players. You 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 pick them apart. You go well, maybe one of them would be good enough if the other ones are actually a lot stronger, a lot better. They could um, rescue them, so to speak. They could make them look better than they are. But when you've got lower standard of players all playing alongside each other, 
no one's there to rescue each other. No one's there to save the game for them. And it, they just, they suffered for it so much. I mean, they, they struggled in the first game, barely had a shot on target, pulled a goal back to stay in a tie against all odds. And you're thinking, wow, you're, you're so lucky to still be in this. And then after, what was it, 10 minutes, they're just down and out again. And look, from a neutral perspective, when they get the penalty, you think, great, let's let's have some drama here. Let's get like a classic comeback going on here. But I think we all knew that that wasn't going to happen. They had absolutely no control of the game whatsoever. Uh, they must have played about eight short passes all night and all of them would have been by uh, Tishibola. Uh, I thought Pinnock was one of their only decent players on the left. He kept overhitting his crosses. Just like, I just don't understand how you can get away with being a manager and have a team play like that. It's abysmal. It's like it's like Sunday League. That was Sunday League football played by professional footballers. Do you think it's a collective that takes responsibility or does does Tommy Wright have to take a lot of the, the responsibility? responsibility? It's that like that's what they're playing. Like there's a reason they're finishing so low in the league table. Sure enough, they're not amazing players, but they're playing absolutely garbage, like dreadful, dreadful football. And weirdly, like once they scored the goal they started to ca- almost calm down a bit and had a bit more of it and they were able to keep it. But every single time they get the ball, they were launching it and then Dundee players were launching it back. Like, no one deserved to win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think Dundee looked far more in control and, yeah, and were able to control the ball for, for just, large parts just of the rushing, game. Rushing clearances all the time, though. It's, it's, not, it's not sustainable. I know you get panicked towards the end of it because it's a big, important game. But I think this is also a wake-up call for clubs around the size of Kilmarnock because I don't think really anyone was really expecting Kelly to go down at the start of the season. They're one of these clubs that are maybe around the bottom half of the table on an average season, but not quite going straight down. They, they've really suffered from... So it was when Alex Dyer was in charge, they went on this uh, this run of defeats and they just they kept sliding after that. And obviously Tommy Wright came in and everyone thought, right, this is it, this is a turnaround. I, I was included in that. I remember saying in the show... Look, he's, he's going to come in, he's going to turn it around, he's got what it takes. I'm surprised he didn't. The, he's won five out of 15 games in charge. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of the reliance was put on Kyle Lafferty coming in. I feel like they just looked to him to be the saviour. And for a, for a brief spell, it looked like it was going to be the case because he was he's getting the goals and we're thinking, right, he's going to turn us around here. And I was quite surprised when looking at the stats because Tommy Wright's first win came and it was, it was the 4-1 win against Motherwell at home um, and that was only about a month ago it was a good run of games into his time in charge and at that point I think a lot of people saw that as this is Kelly turning it round now and Motherwell are slipping down the table and it's quite remarkable to think in only a few games that there was this was just before the semi-final break for the Scottish Cup so it was the start of April there was not a lot of games between then and now and it completely changed things around because that was a game that everyone thought had rescued Kilmarnock what I feel like now I, I know I'm saying it very much from a little perspective because I'm, I'm in that, I'm living that just now, but when Motherwell beat them 2-0 three weeks ago um, and it was a meaningless, not a meaningless game, you know what I mean, it, was a, it, was a, it wasn't a game that Motherwell had to win because they'd secured their place already in the league, so by that standard it was, I, I say in inverted commas, a meaningless game. It wasn't for Kilmarnock though and they went down 2-0 and I feel like that was a, a proper nail in the coffin at that point because that is a game that they should have been right up for and they should have been winning and it's little results like that you look back to and think that has properly killed you here This could be really bad to go down as well Have you seen the list of players that are leaving on a end of contract? Yeah, yeah it's insane People who aren't aware so you're going to lose uh, well maybe they'll send you contracts but being relegated obviously means you don't have as much money to do what you want so Shibola will probably be gone you get Kabamba Greg Kilty Kyle Lafferty Malumbu Rogers Dicker Burke Dickamona <laughs> Millen your friend uh, <laughs> Pennick, I think uh, George Oakley as well Broadfoot the entire squad <laughs> basically is out of contract and who's going to want to sign on there'll be offers for some of those some I mean none of them deserve to play football ever again after well, this performance. This is this is the thing, right? That you look at some teams that have went down to the championship from the premiership. I'm looking at the likes of um Partick Thistle, Falkirk, um, these squads who have inevitably well not inevitably, but they have ended up going further down uh the system uh, in Scottish football. I, I even look at Brecon, who were in the championship not too long ago, successive relegations and are now out of the pyramid system, it's ridiculous. They're 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 now going to be playing 
uh, in the fifth tier. And it's just like, how does a team like Kilmarnock, who haven't have been in the Premiership since what the last thirty years, psychologically and mentally, for a club to turn it around and go right next season we go again? Does Tommy Wright stay? All those players that leave or, or stay, how do you galvanise them again? It's very difficult to go again uh, and achieve automatic promotion, albeit Hearts have achieved that this season. We'll give an but, entirely new team. Yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. And maybe that will how benefit How do you sign them. those players when you don't have... I mean, they clearly got a very small budget in the first place. I wonder if Tommy Wright will stick around even. Absolutely, absolutely. One, yeah. um, James McPake, let's hail Dundee because uh, they finished second in the championship. McPake hasn't had it easy and his time in charge there. Uh, 36-year-old, he's, he's a young manager. He's got them back to the Premiership. It's his, his second attempt. He's done a good job. I, I just wonder how much backing he'll get uh, into the summer to try and help them uh, stay in the Premiership for next season. Yeah, Dundee like Derby as well to look forward to as well, Laura. Yeah, so, I mean, James McPake has been under pressure as well. It's not been plain sailing for him. He Even at the start of this season, fans were calling for him. Uh, saying he wasn't good enough, he couldn't do the job for them. So it's great that they've, they've not only stuck by him, but he's he's stuck to his guns as well, and he's not changed the way he wants to do things. For somebody as well who's so young to to see that success and to see what it means to him, it's great. I saw him at the end of the game. He was um he was on Facetime with Robert Snodgrass, and he was showing the the phone to the camera. It's great seeing things like that. Um, and yeah, as you're saying, Dundee Derby back in the league. Uh, who could possibly complain about that? It's it's one of the the best derbies in Scotland. Um, and it's we've we've missed it like this these last couple of years, so I'm really excited to see that back again. I mean, more managerial stuff. Mickey Mellon has agreed, apparently, according to the BBC, they say that he is set to leave. Although they could just say is to leave. You don't need to say set. Like he's ready to go. He's just too. <laughs> this is one of those weird he's on things. His marks. <laughs> it's just one of those things that's become a staple of football headlines. Anyway. Uh, Mickey Mellon uh, looks like he's away even though he lied to your face Andrew and said that he wouldn't be going anywhere and he said in numerous interviews that he's moved his family up to Dundee even like was looking forward to playing at St Andrew's loads it's his horse I fear for he, he, he admitted to me you know he's got a horse well it's not his horse um, I think it's his daughter's I can't remember um, but yeah like they've got everything what more what's does wrong he horse? yeah why can't what's wrong with the horse well, he can't, he can't well, ship the horse going? back down wherever he wants. They can travel. It's one of the things they're best at. <laughs> well, he's going to run down the road. I don't know, man. Like a, a horse car, what do you call it? You know it? how you difficult know it is to move, to move down to England when you're so used to the Scottish yeah, air? Not, I mean, you're not going to take a horse to, to London. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but if he moves to, like, Shrewsbury... The hell yeah, I remember. I, look, I remember. I asked him about the Doncaster job and if there was any, uh, you know, anything to it. And he was like, "Look, no, not at all." And uh, you know, until I'm told otherwise, uh, I'll be staying at Dundee United. He played so, yeah. you, Andrew. He's played many faces. <laughs> he is the wise-faced man. Well, anyway, uh, we should also mention we did say earlier on in the podcast. Uh, John Yogi Hughes, he's not going to be at Ross County for next season. They stay in the Premiership. He said that he decided to explore further football opportunities. Interesting. This but is a strange one. I mean, surely he's got, he, surely he's got something lined up. John Hughes spent so long out Dundee of the United. game. <laughs> well, that, that is that was a natural reaction. But he spent so long out of the game, and every time every time he, he got a chance to speak to the media. Um, or do press events or punditry, he would complain that he missed football so much and he'd, he'd been constantly doing his research, scouting about, going around the whole of the UK, looking at, watching games, so that he was ready to go straight into a job when the time came up. I cannot understand why less than a season after being back in the game and clearly enjoying it and clearly being successful as well, keeping Ross County up in the league, why would he leave just for the sake of leaving? He must have something lined up. I think Ross County are set to like pretty much battle relegation all over again next season and it's not a great job and it'd be really hard to bring in players that keep them in and it's really hard to attract players there because their budget is so low and all those sorts of things like that. I can understand why, unless you really love Ross County, you'd want to move on. He's got a decent reputation, he can get a job, maybe live somewhere that he wants to live and uh, <laughs> somebody can go on an upwards momentum rather than sort of being a, you know below a bit of a ceiling. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a former club of his. Well, Who knows? Well, I'm sure. Maybe maybe we'll get to talk about that again. We've got teams of the season coming up. Uh, that should be interesting slash awful. Uh, <laughs> but up next, 
It's going to be a good one, this. St Johnston do the double. Fantastic. Uh, Harry, is there any truth in the rumours that you're off to Spain in the summer? Uh, 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 sorry, me, uh, me no hablo inglés. Uh, what about one of the Manchester clubs? Oh, uh, well, you know, it's... Uh... Well, Harry, what about my source who says you're keen to stay at Spurs? <laughs> uh, can we keep the question sensible, please? Kane's future at Spurs remains uncertain, but you're guaranteed to get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four-fold acre lets you down. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10, min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on the Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Blood and thunder out there. Here's Wotherspoon. So Gogic the dummy in comes the ball, and there is the goal. The man who won the League Cup for St Johnston lands the first blow of the Scottish Cup final. It is St Johnston legend Sean Rooney. It's officially the greatest season in St Johnston's history. 1-0 winners against Hibs on Saturday. They secured the Scottish Cup to add to the League Cup in their trophy cabinet. And we're joined with, well, the man who must be smiling the most. He wrote a book about St Johnston's previous Scottish Cup triumph, Our Day in May it was called, and it's Ed Hodge we're speaking to. Ed, is this the happiest you have ever been? <laughs> well, it's now Monday and I haven't stopped smiling. So um, I, I think a few pals in, in the street here are a few Hibs fans actually. I think they're getting fairly sick of me because I keep bumping into them already. So yeah, yeah I had, I had a, a few beverages uh, Saturday night uh, and had to recover yesterday. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's it, it's probably yeah, it's easily the the happiest time of a St Johnston fan without a doubt. I thought twenty fourteen was was going to be the the peak of support in St Johnson. I think we would all be happy with that actually in 2014, but th- this has been utterly remarkable. Well, on um, Callum Davidson, obviously, who is the man who has orchestrated all this, I am sure it's passed what you possibly expected him to do, but how how has he done this? Well, I did send a tweet actually the day that Tommy was sacked and said, whatever Callum is, get him back to Perth. So I, I, I'm going to take some credit for that. <laughs> no, I think we, I think as fans, we all kind of hoped that Callum would come back given he'd been assistant and he'd, uh, he was kind of working his, you know, learning his trade, so to speak, at the assistant roles he was doing and, you know, working at quite a high, a high level in the, in the championship. Millwall were in quite a good run actually when he left. He knew a lot of the players already, so he had that, he had that immediate respect. And I think he then he came out with a style which we were probably not used to under Tommy. You know, under Tommy, we would invariably take a one 0 lead and kind of hang on as best we could. And the football was maybe not as attractive as it could be without without being too disrespectful because we were still winning games. But Calum immediately brought a flair to the team, um, and we were, we just couldn't turn performances into into wins and you know I, I was tearing my hair out November December but it was just incredible some of the you know you probably remember yourself I, I think we won game against Hamilton around about Christmas time we had like 30 shots and it finished 0-0 I think he's just found a spark I, th- I think a couple of things could spring to mind I think bringing in Melamed was something a little bit different gave us a bit of a spark um, and obviously Rooney has taken over on the right hand side when we lost McNamara because McNamara going back to Millwall seemed a, quite a big blow at the time uh, but Rooney's obviously just gone from strength to strength and, and, and is now obviously a, a huge cult hero. But I'm, I'm not sure anything has totally changed other, other than the fact they've probably just got a heck of a lot of confidence really from the Christmas time and, and just realised that they can play good football and, and then get the results. It does beg the question, how does Callum Davidson keep this squad of players together uh, for next season? Is that even possible? Well, it, it inevitably brings challenges when you're a, a, a squad like St Johnston. There's some really talented players in there. I'm, you know, I'm astonished at how Jason Kerr isn't in the Scotland setup, for example. Um, I think Xander was unlucky as well. Um, quite a few of them are under contract, which is good. You know, Melamed's out of contract, but there's a bit, most of them actually are. So it's going to take some decent money to, to to get them away. And obviously, we've got the the carrot of European football, and, and hopefully, we I, th- I think we can have a decent decent run in Europe even if we lose the the, the Europa League game we'll drop in at the conference I think so that's right so there, there's a chance for you know a good run in Europe so you know some of them might think well 
you know, maybe stay on for another season. But but I guess if big money comes in for Ali McCann, which I, I think is inevitable, I'm just, he's easily my favourite player at the club. Just you know, watching the game on on Saturday, every time the ball breaks anywhere around the box or in the middle of midfield, Ali, Ali McCann seems to be there. You know, his positional sense is is extraordinary. Um, so I'd imagine there'll be a few offers, but and maybe one or two do leave. But you know, Callum's now got a bit of a budget himself, so. You know, he he might be able to bring in a couple of players as well. Uh, I, I guess we all hope that Callum stays as well and, and, and stays for Europe because I'd I'd imagine a few few clubs might be uh, looking at what he's achieved as well. Looking forward, Ed, how does St Johnson top this now? Because, I mean, realistically, how can you better this? Is it is it a run in Europe? I'm not sure. We you know we need to top it. You know, I've I've supported them since McDermott was was built in '89, and if you told me this was going to happen, I would have basically just laughed. To, you know, to win a cup double is and because I think it's the fourth team to do it. Um, and the Aberdeen team that did it was was full of top names at the time under Sir Alex Ferguson. And then you've got Rangers and Celtic. So I, I think this is one of the biggest ever achievements in Scottish football history. Um, so to say, how can you top it? I'm, I'm not sure they they can. I think having a great run in Europe would definitely help. And and but inevitably, I'm sure Callum says that the main goal next year is probably to stay up. Uh, you know, D- you know, Dundee are back, Hearts are back. It's going to be a, a fair old scrap next season, actually, to to stay in the league. I would think already. So, I think it comes back to the last question: if, if we can keep the nucleus of the team together, then there's no doubt that they could probably still have another run in the cup. Um, and perhaps, you know, they look higher in the league. You know, can they upset the odds and, and go and finish third or fourth? You know, we've done that in the past, so why can't we do it again? But to win trophies is. Is huge is a hugely difficult task, and and the fact that they've come through two knockout competitions and lifted them both is is utterly extraordinary. And I'm, I'm I still more than forty eight hours later, I'm I'm still struggling to comprehend it. Well, it's it's official that St Johnson are the second most successful Scottish team in the last ten years. So yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah. tremendous story. Um, not to mention qualifying for Europe in six out like, of the last nine years. So let's hope it continues for for Yed, and uh, maybe there'll be another book coming out. Well, it's just it is extraordinary, and uh, hope we ho- hopefully we can keep it going. I think uh, you know it's something I'd probably like to do, but it's uh, I'll probably have to have some conversations before <laughs> before I can get to that stage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just. It's incredible times, and I, I think the biggest hope that I have is, you know, we we tend to get mocked, obviously, for the lack of fans that we have, which sometimes is a little bit harsh, I think. But I, I generally hope that when fans are back in stadiums, that you know we get another couple of thousand going to games or, or more people buying season tickets because, uh, you know, this is this well, I was about to say this is one of the best St Johnson teams ever, but I, I think this is, this is the greatest St Johnson team ever, isn't it? So hopefully, um, we can hold on to the players. Uh, for next season and fans can actually you know see this team it's, it's, it's extraordinary that Callum Davidson hasn't played in front of a St Johnson crowd yet I mean some people might forget that St Johnson were practically three minutes away from getting knocked out of the quarter final stage they took Rangers to the extra time uh, I think Tavernier scored with three minutes to go and it was Chris Kane uh, that equalised off the back of that tremendous wonderful header from Xander Clark uh, to take it to penalties. I mean, that's how close the margins are and how stories can turn to be fantastic ones, Laura. It's also the greatest cup story ever that deserves to have a trophy at the end of it, <laughs> to yeah. have to have your goalkeeper and, um, I, I, inverted commas again, but to have your goalkeeper score <laughs> such a crucial goal in the last minute of the game and that is how it will always be remembered, despite him not actually putting it in the back of the net himself. <laughs> It's it's Hollywood stuff, isn't it? For them to put a Rangers name, win it. Exactly. It just again highlights the the total travesty that fans can't be there to to witness these moments. Not only a goalkeeper playing a big part and a and a massive goal, but two huge trophies. Uh, I mean, it's, it's bad enough they've missed one, but to miss two is yeah. It's the ultimate not insult, but you know what I mean. It's it's the a total kick in the balls. It's must be absolutely brutal for them and then you can say oh we'll, we'll, we'll have a big party when it's all over and we get together again it's not the same yeah. you cannot tell me it's celebrating six months down the line when you've not even watched the game is any different from what it would have been like at five o'clock or four o'clock on Saturday afternoon and JJ do you think this is one of the or if not the greatest Scottish football moment 
winning two cups the first time since your beloved Aberdeen did in 1990? Well, as we all know, the best Scottish football win of all was Aberdeen beating Real Madrid 2-1 in the Cup Winners' Cup final in 1983. But in Scotland. In Scotland. Uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's what good. I, I like that Sean Rooney, who didn't even get in the team that we're talking to Ed until um, McNamara got taken back to Millwall, mm-hmm. he scored both the winning goals and they both came in the 32nd minute. Both. Isn't that spooky? Spooky they goals. They change his number to 32 now, surely. That's really good. He I wish be, now yeah. I had done a little bit more research to see the seconds. How many seconds, <laughs> how close it was. And I loved, loved his post-match interview when he was just like, yeah, I just can't wait to get on the pints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Uh, he, he just, just, you know, another club where, you know, the level uh, that they're all playing at are honest and they all believe, you know, they all seem to just get on. It's a good collective St. Johnston seemed to have within their dressing room. And then when you see the full-time scenes with Callum Davidson, you know, taps off moment, you know, big belly, <laughs> Sliding across Hamden dressing room, champagne soaked, and he bangs his head right off the door. <laughs> and he even admitted it in an interview uh, Monday morning, I think it was with Sky, that uh, it really hurt him. Um, <laughs> that's like, I don't think that's why he had a sore head the next morning. <laughs> yeah, it was really sore, but he didn't want to admit to his players. Like, I love that. Like, absolutely brilliant. It'd be funny um, to do the post match interviews like, with a door on his neck. Like he's going to put his head through a cartoon. <laughs> this is part of him now. I mean, so it has to be. I mean, the next time St Johnston uh, get to a, a major final, uh, the, the stat will come out that they have a hundred percent record in major cup finals. <laughs> three out of three. Well, like, that's that's just class. Uh, absolutely brilliant. It's like Scotland um, taking penalties. Well, don't you be talking about <laughs> penalties. The last time you did, Motherwell lost them. <laughs> I've not drank Scotland yet. <laughs> let's let's talk about Hibs. Uh, another you know upsetting moment for for Hibs fans in the cups, uh, especially when you think about Matt Macy's heroics, uh, double save off the back of a penalty. I mean that's the kind of moment, JJ, when in a game like that you you want a spark, you want the team to then get back up the pitch and be a little bit more aggressive to try and get the the the, the ball across the line. I felt they were just kind of missing leaders. Like real, um, uh, what does Klopp call them? Mentality monsters in that game. A few of them kind of wilted a little bit, and you saw like uh, Doyle got beaten a little too easily at the back post by Rooney. Can't really blame mm-hmm. him. It's a bit of a mismatch. Um, but it, I mean, even the way that uh, is uh, Weather uh, Wotherspoon, Wother knife, Wotherspoon, who uh, gets that cross in, shouldn't be able to do it so easily. Alex Goggett's really poor defending towards yeah. that. But more the way they kind of lost control of the, the game. They just didn't quite have it. Things like Martin Boyle go down too easily in the box trying to win a penalty. Just they weren't quite there, and I think it's just mentality. Do you think the like the Callum Booth challenges ahead of that first goal kind of summed St Johnson up compared to Hibbs and the fact that he was just diving in, you know, full blooded, winning everything, and then they go and score the goal. Uh, not necessarily sort of like just summing up the characters I mean there's there's that to it but I mean Hibs are trying to play with a bit more control I think the ball which John's trying to get it forward a bit more quickly and then overlap centre-backs and that kind of there's a few tactical things going on which mm. um, I, I don't think it matters an awful lot in games like this sometimes it is yeah. genuinely the cliche of whoever wants it more and I think you did see that but that's the kind of thing that I'd imagine Ross would want to improve on next season because that's what's really let him down is not getting over the line you you can be patient in games, but you need you need your big players to to show up. Um, I wonder if I mean it wasn't really mind games before the game because did anyone see Hibbs tweeted out their team sheet with only ten names on it? They didn't even put Martin Boyle on. I mean, the, and the BBC also <laughs> the BBC also gave St Johnson two number fours as well in their team. Wow! Shambles, shambles all round. <laughs> <laughs> Do better. No matter what, everyone's just going to look back at this as being a great year for St. Joyce. I and just Scottish football, it's been a good year. It's been a good year for stories. Maybe not for some sides. But anyway, up next, we're going to move on now. We're going to wave goodbye to Brecon and we're going to say Kia ora Kelty. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com 
slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. So yes, Kia Ora, Kelty, uh, that is a, a, a very happy welcoming uh, in Maori, a kind of New Zealand hello, and I, I forced it for alliteration. But it has been an extraordinary weekend at Kelty Hearts, as Lowland League champions beat Brecon in the playoffs to earn promotion to the SPFL for the very first time, and then on Monday it was announced the architect of that triumph, Barry Ferguson, was going to leave his post as manager. What's going on? Ewan Booth Robertson from Lanarkshire Live is our go-to on Lower League Matters. Howdy, Ewan. Good evening. Excellent. I've got a world of uh, hellos today. Uh, but sum up what this means for Kelty Hearts, a club that are only 46 years old. Yeah, I think it was 1975, so your arithmetic seems to be right there. But yes, I mean, it's a remarkable achievement. Okay. And a lot of people will probably say that, you know, they've bought their way to the title, but I don't buy that because you look at... Germany and England and every major league in the world, the team that has the most money generally wins the league. So yeah, I don't really buy that. And I think it's a fantastic achievement, um, especially what they had to go through, you know, last year with the dreaded, you know, vote and the playoff that didn't go ahead. And again, I know they've only played 13 league games this season. Some people might say, well, how can you win a league season uh, on 13 games? And, you know, certainly validity to those points. But ultimately they played these these two playoff games, which were incredibly tight, um, considering a lot of people thought that Beacon would just kind of lie down, not lie down to Kelty, but they would be so in fear that Kelty would run out uh, comfortable winners. But it didn't prove to be the case, and I might talk about it later, but if it wasn't to be for that red card, it could have been very different. But, yeah, remarkable achievement. I mean, a fantastic club. I think, you know, Barry will get a lot of the credit, get Barry and Bob. But behind the scenes, people like Dean McKenzie, uh, Tam Courts, who was a manager for, for many a year and very successful, who's now at Dundee United. Watch that carefully. Um, <laughs> so I think they deserve huge credit for, for getting where they are. It'll be interesting to see you know, if they can emulate the success of you know Edinburgh City and, and Cove Rangers. Is it a surprise then that Barry Ferguson has left Kelty? I'm really torn on this. I think it's actually a good time to leave because he's kind of achieved what he wanted to. He spent 33 months at Kelty Hearts. He's got them into the... The SPFL stock as a manager is probably uh, much higher now than it was when we took over um, at Kelty. Right. But at the same time, Aloha, to me, listen, no disrespect to Aloha, you know, fantastic club and, and great and all that. To me, that doesn't seem like the next logical step, if that is going to be the step, because... You know, League One's going to be incredibly difficult next season. They've just been relegated from the Championship. You've got Queen's Park in there. You've got Cove in there. You've got Airdrie in there. You've got Falkirk. God, Falkirk are in there. And um, it, it seems difficult to kind of, well, what do you do with Alwa next season? You know, what's an acceptable target? I, I just think that's a strange move if, as rumoured and reported, that that is the case. I mean, it is bye-bye breaking. That's 67 years they were in the top four divisions of Scottish football. Um is it fair to say that a lot of neutrals aren't exactly sad about this, uh, given they were trying to redesign the entire league uh, so they wouldn't be relegated? See, to be fair, and you know, I've criticised Brecon, you know, ample amounts over the last, you know, eighteen months. But even I'm a little bit sad um, that they're gone. You know, they've been around for so long. Um, it's quite an iconic club when when you think about it, isn't it? You know, they have the hedge, uh, the famous hedge. They've got a cathedral in some wee small town in Angus. When you got there, you're like, why is this even here? Um, I think they've got great history. You know, you know, Dick Campbell was there for five years. Michael O'Neill, who who was famously Northern Ireland manager, kind of started his career there. I'm pretty sure Dick Campbell's brothers are their leading uh, goal scorer of all time. And I'm a little bit sad because you look at it now, and they're going to go into the Highland League, I believe. And are they ever going to come back? It's a good question. Nobody has yet. I can't see them coming back, and I, I do think it's quite sad when you lose these clubs at they have a lot of history and, you know, have a place within a community. I'm a big fan of kind of community and football clubs and, you know, what they can provide each other. And I, I do kind of worry that this could be the end of Brecon City um, as a 
top 42 club in Scotland. But we thought about that with Berwick Rangers and, you know, I know they're struggling and everything like that, but it's the it's the manner and what this setup is now with the pyramid system. It's a good thing for Scottish football. Oh, yeah, 100%. I love the, the, the pyramid system. I think it's important that you've got to kind of reward clubs who are ambitious and, and have big plans. But at the same time, talk about Berwick Rangers, you know, they're a fantastic local community club, but as each year passes and, you know, the West of Scotland League grows and clubs like Auchinleck like Talbot and, and Pollock mm. and Darvo can, you know, progress through the pyramid, it's, it's incredibly unlikely that they're going to ever come back to, to the league, which I suppose is quite sad, isn't it? They must have had so many good memories in the league and, and famous games, and it's now sort of, you know, I'm sounding like Grim Reaper here, but <laughs> it does sound almost like it's kind of the end of the road for them in terms of being a 42 SPFL club. So let's talk about elsewhere um, in the SPFL. Uh, Dumbarton have managed to stay in League One, but Jim Duffy has, uh, has left. He's announced on Monday that his contract is finished he's gone um i wonder if he'll come back to scottish football because i mean so well known in scottish football laura he had that heart scare as well didn't he and a few months ago i think um but he decided to stay on and finish the job i just wonder if he'll stay in football what do you think was another one to add to the list of where's he moving to is he part of the the mm. reshuffle of managers I, I feel like jim duffy's just this mainstay in scottish football he's just he's been around for decades now and he's a great guy just yeah i think that's the thing everyone just really enjoys him being in football as well they, they like yeah. having him as a manager they like having him around even even the pundit side of things he's just very popular and i think if he was to to leave football i think it would be a sad miss so i'd like to mm. see him still hang around yeah, uh, Greenock Morton will stay in the Championship next season uh, where they can look forward to play Kilmarnock and Hamilton. Um, it's going to be really interesting. You know, thinking about the Ayrshire Derby as well in the Championship, Air United against Kilmarnock, that's going to be feisty. Uh, but up next, we're going to go back to the Premiership and look at some players and see who we think might be very good to be in our little teams. That'll be interesting. Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Time to hear from our friends at Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie. Charlie, you must be about to talk about the Euros. There's no more football left other than Euros. Yes, Paddy Power are yet to provide odds on Andrew Slaven keeping another clean sheet in goal for JJ's Football Writers 11, so I guess we'll have to talk about Euro 2020 in 2021. Golden boot market, always popular at a major tournament. You've got your Canes, your Mbappes, your Ronaldos, your usual suspects. If you want to bet on a Scottish player being top scorer at the tournament, Paddy Power offers odds of 200 to 1 on Ryan Christie being that man. If you bet big on Christie, if it happens or if it doesn't happen, one way or another, someone's going to be crying. Scotland are the same odds to win the tournament, so let's scale this back a bit. Steve Clark's side are even to progress from the group stage and 17 to 2 to beat England. Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Seeds and seeds apply. And when the fun stops, <gasps> stop it. Time now for us to pick our premiership teams of the season. Uh, we've done this before and it's quite hard. So the rules of this are... You're only allowed to pick one representative from all 12 clubs in the Premiership. So we're picking 11 players and a manager. So, for example, if you pick Steven Gerrard as your manager, you can't have any Rangers players. Um, Really tough, to be honest. But we're letting everyone play fast and loose with their formations. We don't know what each other have picked, but I'm told we're agreed on three players. That's it. Who wants to start off? Should we start with goalkeepers or should we start with managers? We've all definitely got the same goalkeeper. Yeah, we've got the same goalkeeper. Have we? American TV presenter Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> was my was difficult for me because I really, really wanted to put Liam Kelly in my team, but when you have to try, it's trial and error for the other positions, and I just didn't feel as though there was another player from Dundee United who deserved to be in my outfield players. So yeah, I went with Benjamin Seacrest. Yeah, he is our goalkeeper of this season. Yeah, 12 clean sheets. The most saves of any keeper in the premiership this season. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Very good. Deserves he to is. go in. He is. 
Um, so it does get harder because now we can't. So now we can't pick any other Dundee United players. Oh, woe is me. Uh, defenders. <laughs> Shall I start off with defenders? Well, central tell, defenders. Tell me what your formation is first, and then tell me what your defence is. It's pretty easy. Okay. To do. Well, I'll start off. Um, I've went for a four-three-three. Mm-hmm. And my first defender, I'm going to name. I'm going to go central defenders here. I'm mm-hmm. going big. I'm going with Haki Madoffin from Hamilton. I think he is actually a player who should probably be staying in the Premiership, um, if not going down to England. Uh, Number one in terms of interceptions for the Premiership. Um, I think he's very good in the air. He's an all-round very good defensive player and he scored some really important goals for Hamilton uh, this season, although not important enough because they got relegated. So although it might be, it might seem a little bit odd to pick a defender from Hamilton, I think he's been one of the best players this season and I think he could play at a much higher level. I've went for another defender who almost got relegated. <laughs> Alex Jacoviti um, of Ross County. Again, another defender who I think sometimes people focus on Cole Donaldson at Ross County, but I think Jacoviti is probably a better player. He's younger. I think he will become a better player. Um, but another another one who's in the top interception ranks, um, someone who can read a game quite well and scores important goals. Left back, Nicky Devlin. Nicky Devlin of Livingston, I think he's just one of these players, uh, I think he's staying on for Livingston next season, there's a raft of players leaving Livingston, but he is one that's remaining just so pacey and has a really good delivery into the box, I really like him as a player um, and he's just been a stalwart for Livingston, he's good defensive one-on-ones um, and I also I just think he provides so much threat for Livingston going forward uh, and in defence. A lot of analysis going on here, I like it. Oh yeah, you're, you're, it's a little different very... to your normal pattern. I'm enjoying this a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're very welcome. Um, do I not normally do this? James Tavernier is going to be my right back of the season. Uh, top in assists, uh, scored a barrel load of goals, an insane run of uh, games he went on a scoring run. It was ridiculous. Um, just an all-round captain, uh, a leader for an Rangers. All-round Look, captain. An all-round captain. He is top in all captain stats, whatever they might be. <laughs> An all-round captain. Like yeah, exactly. That's what it would be. And he's like, you know how sometimes you look at football manager and it has like leadership things, yes. kind of things like good on the wing or likes to dribble a lot. All-round captain would be his uh, little star all underneath his name. Um, yeah, absolute um, legend for Rangers now as well. Uh, and I just think he adds goals from defence for my team. So I love who it. wants to try and beat it. that defence? I want to hear Laura's. Okay. Formation um, first. So my formation is a 4 2 three, one. Um, so in front of Seagrist, I have got a back four of Sean Rooney of St. Johnson. Excellent. Um, Pint merchant. <laughs> uh, and goal scoring extraordinaire when a trophy is up for grabs. Who doesn't want your right back providing uh, your goals in the big games? Only in the 32nd minute, though. <laughs> I will highlight the slight controversy that he is a wing back, but this is allowed. Oh, yeah, my formation is very loose. Very, very loose. Um, So, yeah, Sean Rooney is getting my right-back position. I have gone for a defensive pairing of Connor Goldson, uh, the only player in the league to have played every single game of the campaign, every single minute of the campaign as well. He has just been outstanding for Rangers. And to be fair, I think you could have chosen many Rangers players for this, um, on top of the manager as well. And he was one of the last players I put into my team because it was really, what position did I have left to fill? Um, <laughs> oh, OK, I'll go for the Rangers player because there was one for every position. Um, so Connor Goldson and my other def- central defender is John Guthrie of Livingston. Um, mm. Another one who I just feel has been just quite consistent this season, quite reliable. And yeah, it doesn't have to be this glitzy star player. He's just somebody you know you can rely on. And my left back, I think, is quite an obvious one. I'm going to go with Josh Doig of Hibernian. Uh, 19 years old, bags and bags and bags of talent. Many years left in his contract as well, so Hibs are going to get a lot of joy out of him as well. And it's just so ironic that Scotland have yet another good left back coming through the ranks. And, and worryingly for Livingston, I think that's quite a really good back four, actually, Laura. But um, I see John Guthrie's handed in a transfer request, that old request. 
that keeps on the transfer list now that doesn't exist. That'll be good. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll be a big miss for Livingston. So yeah, yeah, nice back four, Laura. What a back four. JJ. Well, check this out. Think of all times that me and Laura disagree with everything each other says. I've got uh, a five-three-two, and it's probably a five. And uh, apart from TV presenter Ryan Seacrest in goals, Sean Rooney at right wing back because the same things Laura just said. Connor Goldson because most of the same things that Laura just said. Uh, John Guthrie, because I spoke to him in real life, and I like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've just woke up my baby for that laugh. Thank you very much. Uh, I went, I went uh, other centre backs. So I've got Goldson, Guthrie, and I went for Paul again. I think he's been Hibbs as one of his best player all season. And then uh, I've cheated and put Chris Burke at left wing back. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. He's a winger. He's old, and he scored nine goals and four assists. <laughs> and when I say old, I mean he's like a year and a half older than me. But I think he's old. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Thank God you're not like doing the Kilmarnock Player of the Year awards as the host. He's yeah, he's old. <laughs> he scored nine goals. He's relegated. It's Chris Burke. Okay. Uh, yeah. Next, go to in your midfield. I'll start us off for the midfield, and I will talk about that old gold scorer, Chris Burke, who I've put on the right side of my midfield. Uh, my midfield three. That is. Uh, I. Yeah. I, I can't really add to what you said, JJ. He's old, he's a winger, and he's he's scored nine goals. Uh, Lewis Ferguson is going to be my midfield general. Ten goals for him this season. Um, and just a, just a very good player and someone who might not be at Aberdeen next season uh, because I think he can play and push himself at a higher level. I wonder where he goes, um, but I think he's had another good, solid season for Aberdeen. We know of his qualities we know how good he is he's picked up young player of the year awards um he's someone who in this team if i'm looking at the team on paper like i am right this very second <laughs> i need some steel in there um and he loves a tackle <laughs> he's up there in the yellow card mark yellow card charts uh one red card this season he's someone who's definitely a winner i think with his mentality, I think he's someone who wants other players to be up to his standards, and he's so young to have that. Um, but is he an all-round kind of captain? He's not an all-round captain. That's James Tavernier, mate. Who I've already got in my squads. Can't. Yeah. But he has that. He has that level. So that's why I think my team's pretty good. That Lewis, um, Lewis Ferguson you're talking about, right? This is. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's been really poor this season. Do you? Mm-hmm. I think he's not anywhere near as good as he's supposed to have been. Like I, I love those first. I think he's a great player and will be, but I think he's really struggled, particularly in the last few months towards the end of McInnes's tenure. The so. start of the season, it seemed to be a really good partnership with him and uh, Rory McCorry. <laughs> Robbie yeah. McCorry. But both of those uh, easily got into a team, yeah. I, and I think they really dropped off about November time and didn't really come back. Yeah, perhaps. But I, I still think if if... Aberdeen have had a poor season. I actually think he's probably been one of the better performers. Um, take away the, the amount of clean sheets that Aberdeen have had. But I agree to disagree. Um, and for St Mirren, I've got a St Mirren player in my midfield. Jamie McGrath. 10 goals this season, uh, maybe 11 I think actually, but a lot of those are penalties. And I think in all teams, you should have uh, you know an absolute penalty merchant. Uh, Jamie McGrath is that, but he's also a, a, quite a skillful midfielder. He's what he's very good at passing the ball. He's very got a very good eye for the ball. He can read the game, um, and in a midfield three, I think he can also back up someone like Lewis Ferguson to do the dirty work. Um, so that is my midfield three. Laura, I've gone for a two with a three in front. So I'll tell you both both lots just now. Um, in my two, slightly playing. Um, Kind of not so much out of position, but I'm kind of I'm pushing him into a position um, that you might not be completely comfortable with. Um, Ross Callahan of Hamilton Ackies is playing in my two. Um, I feel like he has like he's got nine goals this season, and he is a complete box to box midfielder. Always, always a joy to have, um, and he's kind of been a kind of shining light in a Hamilton side that haven't really had many many lights to to boast about. And alongside him, I've put Alan Campbell of Motherwell. I just feel like he is an all-round player who is constantly improving game on game. And he's one of these players that you don't often notice the hard work that he does. I think every team needs to have one of these players that does all the, the hard work on and off the ball, just has that general fighter, that kind of terrier player about themselves. They just want to bully other players off the ball and, and win it back for their team. So I think he's perfect for that position. Um, and in front of those two, my three are, and again, 
very loose position in here. Um, on the right side, and these these are good. These players are going to be shifted a lot during the game, depending on how the opposition are playing, because this is not strict to their positions. Um, I've put Ryan Hedges of Aberdeen, and on the other side, I've put Chris Burke of Kilmarnock. Uh, I do like the fact that we've all got Chris Burke playing in completely different positions. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> you look through stats. <laughs> when, you, when you look through the stats of his season, he has played in so many different positions. So I think we're going to get away with this. And through the middle of the three, I've put Celtic's David Turnbull, which I think is an obvious hands-down choice for Celtic's player this year. Yeah. Uh, this is weird again because we've got all the same players. <laughs> uh, I think Jamie McGrath is the minimum player you'd have to put in. Um, mm-hmm. I totally agree. He just received his first call up for Ireland. Did you know that as well? Uh, Ross Callaghan, I've got in my midfield too. I, I think he's been Hamilton's best player this season by miles. I think he'll probably play for. Um, I think someone will pick him up higher up in the in the Premiership. I, I can see him going up to a different club. He was. I think he was just so impressive this season. Really came on. David Turnbull's got to play. I agree. He's Celtic's best player. Instantly stepped up to it as soon as he got in the team. Played as 10. Uh, got in Scotland squad. So he had a great season. See, all my players I've selected have been uh, ones who've had a good season. Not just because they're good players. Slightly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who's your forwards? <laughs> oh, you're going straight to my forwards. It's funny when you say about Jamie McGrath being like the best player for St. Mary. I know he scored a lot of goals, but there's so many good players that I think could have been included for St. Mary. Like Richard Tate could have been one. Um, yeah, it's in penalties, though, that's the thing, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. That's the thing. You want to add goals to your your, your games and stuff like that. But like yeah. Conor McCarthy as well has, has been... A, had well, a I'd offer the Hamlet. That's a good bit rather than Callaghan. Yeah, that would be the only one I would... Yeah, yeah well, so far we're, we're all in agreement that we've, you know, Segrist, Burke and McGrath are in our sides. Um, so... The teams I have left for my front three, I've got Hibs, Celtic and Motherwell. And from Hibs, I've picked Kevin Nisbet for obvious reasons. But it's not just his goals, second top goal scorer um, this season. Uh, He just does so much for the team. I think you noticed a lot when he wasn't in the side kind of near the end of January through to the end of February. There was about five or six games where Hibs just didn't look the same team. And when he came back, he, he, you know... Such a such an impact he brought back to because the thing is he doesn't just do the the you know scoring all the goals it's the dirty work as well the amount of times you see him tracking back and winning the ball and I think that's a that's something that he's learned from playing in the lower lower levels he's had to work hard to get to this and also you know personal tragedy he's had to work through this season too um, so he makes my front three Tony Watt from Motherwell is my other striker slash workhorse uh, at the front I noticed Laura well the thing is I think Motherwell were better uh, were a better team when Tony Watt was in the side and I did notice Laura that the fans picked him as their player of the year Um, he is the golden boy to the fans he can uh, (laughs) it's like he can do no wrong what 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 Uh, yeah uh, I just think that Motherwell are a better team with him in in the side Um, I know Devante Cole could have been the you know the potential one you would choose, but he's only had a good end to the campaign. Not had a great all-round season. Whereas Tony Watt, um, injuries, all that jazz. Uh, it's not been easy, but I think he's a better um, choice for Mother in this side because you have to just pick someone from a team. It's hard. And my main centre forward is Odson Eduard because you can't argue with his goals, and a lot of people will. will um, he's been at it all season. He's, no yeah, way exactly. for him. Yeah, people, Edward come off it. 100%. 100%. Because you can't argue with him many goals. You're just picking the best players. You're not the best of the best season. No chance. Oh, he's the top goal scorer in the, in the whole season. Turnbull How won can, every player of the year award for Celtic. Come on. Edward should score the most goals. He's the best player by a mile in the whole league. Yeah, of course. And and he's done that. People will, will say that he's done it half-heartedly. I tend to disagree. If if he's doing it half-heartedly, he still makes the team of the season. Well, exactly. He scored 50 if he tried for most of the season. <laughs> he was good at the last part of it. He's a brilliant player. Like, he can play top, top level. Like, absolute. Yeah, of course. Champions League player. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Who's your manager then? Are you going for... You've not even done your front three yet either. I don't know who your manager is, though. I don't know. <laughs> No, oh, let's, you let's want me say, hold on. I'm, no, no, I'm going to tell you who my striker is because my striker's a complete cop out. I struggled for strikers, so I went for Jamie McGrath and just pushed him right up front. Oh no! 
Yeah, he's no. he was. Yeah, my my striker option was a problem for me. I, like I could have put him up front. I could have put Turnbull up front, but obviously none of them are. Wait, that's your one striker. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> you put Jamie Grant up front. I'm putting a four-two-three-one, and I don't care. You laugh at me all you want, but he scored enough goals this season. I know with Turnbull supporting him, he's going to get even more goals because you know what? You might not have a natural striker, but if you've got two goals, goal creators then one of them's going to have to finish it because they're going to get creating anyway. Like, I'm, I'm really guilty here of playing the Craig Levine 4-6-0, but I, don't, I, don't, I didn't want to be this person. Yeah, like Mikel Arteta. Like, yeah. I had to get him in the team, and it was it was the position that was causing me problems, so, uh, yeah, and I'm so you shoehorning him in. You could play Turnbull as a false nine, I bet you could do no, that quite well. I'd, ra- I'd rather have McGrab in front of Turnbull, because Turnbull will create the goals for him. Look, you could have me up front in front of Turnbull, and I would score the goals because Turnbull <laughs> would create them for me. <laughs> You do he have Sean Rooney getting the box from right back as well. Like everyone's going to chip in here. I've got a lot of goal scorers in my team. Just you wait to see how many Alan Campbell is going yeah, to score from my you, side. You need you need some of those players to be getting your penalties for Jimmy McGrath to score. <laughs> <laughs> All right then, JJ, bring us back into the real world. Uh, following <laughs> Laura's logic that there are no rules, Ian Jess is up front for my team. <laughs> Uh, I've got a front two, obviously, because of my I think Ryan Hedges has been Aberdeen's best player this season. I don't think there's been many standouts. I think the defenders have struggled. Joe Lewis, who's normally really good, has been had it really out of form. Um, I think McCrory and Ferguson fell off ages ago, like November, and didn't really come back from it. And again, <laughs> when they get the team, I mean, so it's you're been telling bad. you're so you're playing Hedges up front. Yeah. I have Hedges in my team, so what you're saying is I should just swap Hedges and McGrath around and you'd yeah, accept my team. But okay, you can play Hedges as part of a two, I think, not as a one. Oh, well, that, okay, well, put him as a two with McGrath then. He's basically a second striker, I think. It's probably going to be his position. Like, like, it's like a ten, basically. He play just, yeah. yeah play I, have, just I have a lot of tens in my team, so somebody's going to have to go in front. I'm uh, basically <laughs> playing like Man City's 5-1-2-2 two, two formation. It's a bit of all a the midfielders one. are strikers. Yeah, <laughs> all the midfielders are going to be in the box. There's no uh, defensive cover. It makes no sense. And I've got Devante Cole up front. I think he's been Motherwell's best forward, and I've really enjoyed watching him score the goals this season. But only only the the latter stages of the season. He didn't really yeah, do much. Yeah, but that's one of the bit I remember, so that's fine. <laughs> Oh, see, that's why you pick on the likes of Lewis Ferguson because he hasn't, you know, he had a good start to the season and he didn't have a great end. Maybe he'd ended it, you've got to time it. Edward had a really good end of the season, but yeah, I remember that because I think he'd do so much more. I think Ferguson struggled as a part of the team rather than just him. I think there's more to it. Oh, well, there you go. So, well, I'll start off the managers then. I don't think there can be any discussion here. Callum Davidson, St Johnston. The only, I mean, that was what I was left with at the end and just so happened. The thing is, I, w- I had Jason Kerr in my team uh, yeah, in defence because, well. I, I mean, honestly, I, I genuinely think he could be playing at Celtic or Rangers. I also think he could be playing Premiership football down in England uh, in a few years. I, I think he's he's... He has definitely got everything, and not to mention he's been captain in St. Johnson since he's been 22. He's 24 now. Um, so your manager is Jason Kerr, just to confirm. Oh well, yeah, no, I just I felt bad. I wanted him <laughs> in. I mean, could have had McCart in there, could have had Ali McCann in there. Uh, I might have picked on Rooney, but if anyone's going to put all those players and make them into such an amazing collective, Callum Davidson's one of them. Uh, he's the manager that's going to make everything tick. I, I mean, I can't dispute it. It's maybe feel angry about picking Sean Rooney. Fine, Laura. <laughs> so who's, who's your manager, your manager? Who's with this tight, this this uh, really modern three false nine formation? A team full of number tens. Um, a real tactician, be... someone with real de- like a real dexterous knowledge of of football, ins and outs, of tactics, a coaching mastermind. And you have picked. I know who and... she's picked. <laughs> I and know. that is why I have gone for John Hughes. Yogi! <laughs> <laughs> He'll he manage is. my team of number 10s. <laughs> hey, Laura, guess who my manager is? John Hughes! Yogi! <laughs> <laughs> How have we managed to go a whole season, JJ, disagreeing, and we basically picked the, entirely the same oh, team? I don't know. I couldn't think of any Ross County players that were any good. That's so. exactly what my thinking was as well. Yeah. <laughs> I liked John Hughes and I didn't like enough other players so it was an easy choice and if I went back I had uh, Jason Kerr on my team I was like no I have to have Callum Davidson's manager so I put Jakobiti in (laughs) because I just had to have a defender and everyone else was picked 
So obviously the actual team of the year would be very different and mostly Rangers players, I think, safe to say. Probably a couple of St. Johnstons and uh Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, you know, I don't think you would have picked many Celtic players in there. It would have been Rangers and St. Johnston. But that's I think that's all right. Says uh, the man who didn't put Turnbull in, you're so harsh. Turnbull Turnbull, to be fair, um has been Celtic's best player this season. I I I won't I won't argue that. But in this little game that we're playing, I'm picking <laughs> you needed a, striker. Um, a team of players that I think is a good team. And it's managed by Callum Davidson, so it's going to win two cups. <laughs> two more than you, chumps. <laughs> yeah, I'm losing 7-0 most games, I think. So. You guys you guys are going to be relegation battlers, but you will survive. because You're, you're going to be manager and assistant manager since we've got the same team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I think that's where we have to end it then. It's another end... Uh, to a season thank you so much for listening a year that will be remembered forever by fans of Rangers St Johnston and Scotland because it's the Euros and I cannot wait for it I'm absolutely buzzing for it so thanks JJ thanks Laura and to producer Charlie for getting this show on the road and making us sound relatively knowledgeable (laughs) Um, but honestly it's been fantastic thanks to the Little Kicks for their awesome theme tune and again thanks so much for listening have a great summer and let's wish Scotland to the Euros. Get in there. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.